Well, hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is James. I am so grateful that you're tuning in. And my hope is that you would be inspired and encouraged today as you hear this message. I want to remind you that you're changed not by the word that you hear, but by the word that you do. So lean forward with an expectant attitude. And I believe God is going to speak to you today through this message. Hey, for y'all tuning in, thanks so much for tuning in. We want to give you a warm welcome from everybody in here in the place. Make some noise. For everybody tuning in. Now, I think we can, we can get started with the sermon. Bill, I'm so sorry about that. Thank you. Appreciate it. So like I was saying, I love Christmas, man. I love everything about Christmas. I love uh, the, the lights, the decorations. I love the presents. I love the time with family. And uh, this year, I did something that I consider to be blasphemous when it comes to Christmas. I, I would even say that it's sacrilegious. Uh, what I did this year was we put up our Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. I, I, I became one of those people this year. And um, I'm the kind of person who I just feel like we should, we should celebrate one holiday before we move on to the next holiday, right? I mean, can we please just go to random strangers' houses first and get some candy before we see uh, Christmas decorations in the stores? I mean, can, can we please celebrate Halloween before we're talking about Christmas? This is church, never mind. Can we please have a fall festival uh, before we start talking about Christmas and seeing Christmas decorations in the store? Like, I, I'm, I'm one of those people, right? Can, can we please cook the turkey and allow it to digest before we decorate our houses for, for Christmas? This is the kind of person that I am. But this year, uh, I figured, you know, it's 2020, it's a weird year, so it's time to get weird. And so we put up our Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the only reason why I did that is because the Saturday before Thanksgiving, it was like in the 70s. And uh, I just had bad memories of putting up Christmas lights in 40 degree weather. And I just resolved I was never gonna do that again. So uh, I put up our Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. And um, for some of you, you hear that and you're like, man, we've been putting up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. I silently judged you for a really long time. But I'm gonna just let you know, if it's ever nice before Thanksgiving, if the weather is nice, I will put Christmas lights up in August because I don't wanna be on top of the roof in 40 degree weather putting up lights. And so, so we got our lights up and uh, there, there, there's something else that I, that I started doing this year that I typically don't do. So, so I love Christmas music, but I'll never listen to it. Uh, I, I love it, but I'll never listen to it. And um, this year, I started listening to Christmas music on Thanksgiving. Now, I know some of you hear that and you're like, okay, big deal. I listened to it in July. You're weird. But uh, for me, I started listening to it on Thanksgiving, and I've been listening to it ever since because there's something about Christmas music that just brings the, the joy and the cheer and the magic of the season to life. I mean, the, no other holiday has music like, like Christmas does. I mean, St. Patrick's Day doesn't have music, Right? Independence Day doesn't have its own music. I mean, maybe it has one song like, I don't even know if that's a song for Independence Day, but no other holiday has music like Christmas does. I mean, sure, sure Halloween has Michael Jackson's Thriller and the Monster Mash, but, but Christmas music is like in its own category. And there's something about Christmas music, it just brings in the cheer and the magic and the joy of the season. I mean, there's so many great Christmas songs. What are, what are some of your favorite Christmas songs? Just, just shout it out. Rudolph. Rudolph, Rudolph the Red Nose. Yeah, love it. What else? Drummer Boy. Drummer Boy. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, what else? Christmas Traveler. 
Christmas trap music. <laughs> oh, we know how you get down. Um, <laughs> what, other, what other songs, favorite songs? All at what? I don't know that song, but I, I want what for Christmas? Oh, oh, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Yeah, I know that song. What else over here? Silent Night. Love is Silent Night. See, I should be in the band too. Bill won't let me. But I love Christmas music, man. There's so many great songs. There's songs like Deck the Halls and Go Tell It on the Mountain. Uh, there's songs like Oh Come All Ye Faithful. And, and my favorite, I think is the best Christmas song of all time, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, right? This is hands down the best Christmas song ever. And so I, I, I love Christmas music because it ushers in the, the, the joy and the cheer and the magic of this season. I mean, there's just something about this season. It just feels so magical. And Christmas music helps make that happen. But this is one side of Christmas, the, the joy and the cheer and the magic of it all. But, but there's another side of Christmas that, that we don't sing about. There's all the stuff we do sing about, but then there's an unsung Christmas. Because the other side of Christmas that we don't always sing about is a side that, that deals with depression for some. Loneliness, anxiety, there's this worry during the Christmas season. There's, there's pressure sometimes as we give in to consumerism and we're so focused on getting little Johnny some plastic stuff and, 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 and there's niceties that we force because we got some broken family ties and sometimes we get the family together at around Christmas time. And so there's this, there's this joy and magic and cheer side of Christmas that we all sing about, but then there's a, another side of Christmas that we don't sing about. This is an unsung Christmas. It's the raw, the real, the, the grit of Christmas. And, and that's what I wanna explore throughout this series. We're actually launching a brand new series today called Unsung Christmas. And look, we're gonna have some joy, some magic, some cheer throughout this season. We're also gonna explore, explore the, the raw, the real, and, and the gritty of Christmas, the unsung side of Christmas. And so on, on December 20th, this is where we're headed, um, we're gonna sing the song, O Come All Ye Faithless. And so the song is, O Come All Ye Faithful, but I wanna invite you to sing on December 20th, O Come All Ye Faithless. Because this is the invitation that God gives to each and every one of us. He says, even though you may have been faithless, even though you may have doubts and questions, even though you may not always believe, you come to me because I am a faithful God. Even in your unfaithfulness, I remain faithful and I invite you to come to me because I love you and I've called you to live great lives. And so on December 20th, that's gonna be our big Christmas celebration. I wanna invite you to invite as many people as possible in this place. In the past, when it hasn't been COVID, we've done Christmas Eve worship experiences. We've seen over 300 people come through to hear the hope of Christmas. And so December 20th is your day to make sure you don't come alone, but you bring some people with you here at 10 a.m. We wanna pack this place out in a socially distant way, of course. Uh, but that's gonna be our big Christmas celebration. And then uh, next week, I wanna preach from the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And this is an African-American spiritual where uh, we're invited to stand on the mountaintops and proclaim the love of Jesus to people. But I often think during this time of year, because we're so sidetracked with stuff, we're consumed with consumerism, 
uh, we're worried about all the decorations and everything that's going on in this season, sometimes instead the song that we sing is don't go tell it on the mountain. And we remain silent. And we don't share the hope that we have with other people. And so next week, I wanna invite you to invite people through shouting it from the mountaintops about the way that God loves you and loves them and has called us to greatness. But that's where we're headed today. Uh, I wanna talk about the song, Deck the Halls. Deck the halls with my... And, and my favorite rendition of this song is actually sung uh, in the movie, A Christmas Story. All right, this is, this is the, the scene where uh, Ralphie and his family go and they are introduced to roasted duck uh, on Christmas Day. And the reason why they're eating roasted duck on Christmas Day is because some wild dogs have uh, forced their way into their house and they've ruined the Christmas turkey. And if you've never seen the movie A Christmas Story, I don't know what's wrong with you, but if you have seen it, I wanna remind you of this scene. Check it out. Christmas when we were introduced to Chinese turkey. <laughs> All was right with the world. Man, I love that movie. It's one of the best Christmas movies ever. And uh, they wreck that song. The, the song is Deck the Halls. And the, the lines begin this way, Deck the Halls. And so it's an invitation for us to deck the halls of our house, to, to, to decorate, to dress things up, to cover things up. And and the reason why we're invited to deck the halls is because tis the season to be jolly. This is the season to be jolly. This is the season to have cheer. And, and then we're invited to don we now our gay apparel. And, and the invitation isn't for us to wear the colors of the rainbow, but gay here is meaning happy. And so we're invited to wear our happy clothes. And I don't know what happy clothes are for you. I don't know your life like that. But... 
We're invited to wear our happy clothes because this is a season of cheer and joy and happiness. And then finally it says, um, troll the ancient Yuletide carol. And uh, when it says this, talking about trolling the ancient Yuletide carol. It's not uh, trolling like a a monster kind of troll or even trolling somebody online where you're being sarcastic or leading somebody on. But the idea of trolling here uh, is similar to that of a fishing boat that would troll along the waters. It's rolling along the waters with its uh, net in the the water to catch fish. And so the idea is that uh, we would we would sing in a loud, rolling kind of voice, a really boisterous way. Really, what it's hinting at is sing the ancient Yuletide carol in a way like you've almost had too much to drink, right? This is my kind of song. And so this is the invitation for Deck the Halls, to decorate the halls because this is the season to be jolly, wear your happy clothes, and then sing loud. But the problem is, Christmas isn't always happy and cheery and joyful. And what I wanna do in the remainder of our time together is I wanna drill in on just three words of this song. And it's the title of the song, Deck the Halls. Deck the Halls. See, see during Christmas time, we, we, we decorate our, our houses. We, we, we put up lights, we put up trees, we put up stockings. We deck the halls. But then there's a point where we take the decorations down. And uh, the decorations are there, and they look nice, and they, and they cover up the walls in our house. They, they cover up some things in our house. But then uh, right after Christmas, we take down the tree, we take down the lights, we take down the stockings. For, for some of you, it's, it's on New Year's that you take down all the decorations. Maybe it's uh, February or August that you take down the, the decorations. But at some point, the decorations come down. And when the decorations come down, we're left with the same walls that we had before. We're, we're left with the same house that we, we had before. And so uh, it, it, it looks great. Um, and uh, it's nice when the decorations are up. But when we take the decorations down, we're back to how things were. And I think the decorating of our house loosely mimics something that we do in our lives. I think, I think so many of us, what we do in our lives is we, we decorate the walls of the house of our life, but there's some stuff just under the surface, just under those decorations that we don't like. And we, instead of changing them, we cover it up with, with decorations. We cover it up with filters. We, we, we cover it up with the clothes that we wear, the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we act, the persona that we give off. And really deep down, there's, there's some stuff that we're not proud of. I, I, I'd venture to guess that there's some stuff in your life that you're not proud of. I mean, not in your past, but I mean right now. I'd imagine that there's some things in your life right now that you're ashamed of. That if the lights were to come on, if, if the decorations were taken down and we, and we took a look at your life, we would see that there's some stuff there and you would, you would expose it to the world that there's some stuff there where you're just not proud of it. But here's the problem. We continue to live that way and we just cover it up with some decorations. We deck the halls of our life when really what we need to do is wreck the halls of our life. 
I want to I want to preach to you from this title, "Wreck the Halls." So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. The title for my sermon today is "Wreck the Halls." So I think so often what we do is we deck the halls. What we need to do is wreck the halls. Because for so many of us, I think I think when we become Christians, when we say yes to Jesus, um, and maybe it's just ignorance on our part, maybe. It's, it's not our fault that we think this way. But I think when we say yes to Jesus, so often what we do is, is we think that Jesus is gonna come into our life and he's gonna spruce some things up a bit. He's gonna put some decorations up. He's gonna help us be nicer, better people. But really what Jesus' goal is for us is not to be nicer, better people, but for us to be made brand new, to, to completely be made new. And so oftentimes what we do is we come and we say, okay, God, I'm, I'm dealing with this thing. I'm struggling with this thing. Would you help me be a nicer, better version of myself? And I think for, for a lot of people who are following Jesus, that's our goal. I just want to be a better version of me. And if you think that, I mean, I, I get it. it. It makes sense. But this is not why Jesus was born. This is not why Jesus lived a perfect life, a life we can't live, ultimately dying the death that we deserve so that we could be better, nicer people who smile more or cheer you, hold doors open for people and don't use bad language. Like this is not why Jesus was born and why he lived and why he died so that we could just be better versions of ourselves. But oftentimes I think what we do is we approach our Christianity with an approach of decoration. I just wanna deck the halls. I wanna be nicer, I wanna be better than I am so that I could be a better version of myself. And even if you're not a Christian, I think you think this way too, right? I mean, because we try, you try to do this through, through self-help and, and improvement. I'm just gonna do what I can to live my best life now and be the best version of me. But here's the thing, God has something so much greater for you than to just be a better version of you. Because can I let you in on, on something? A better version of you still sucks. A better version of me still sucks. God has called us not to be better versions of ourselves, but to be like him, to be like Jesus. So that when someone looks at our life, they would see not a better version of us, but they would see God living in us and through us. This is what God has called us to do. But in order to do that, he cannot come into our lives to deck the halls. He has to come into our lives to wreck the halls and build something completely brand new. Because here's, here's what I know about you, and I know this about you because this is true for me. Oftentimes under the decorative smile and the response of, I'm fine, things are great. There's walls of worry there. And if you were to dig just beneath the veneered surface, if you were to see past the lights and the decorations, you would see anxiety. You would see insulation of insecurity and fear. Underneath all the decorations and, and, and all the strength that you portray, there's still that addiction <clears throat> that creeps just below the surface. See, if we were to dig deeper, 
pass the decorations, remove the lights, make the walls bare. We see some things that we're ashamed of, some things we're not satisfied with, some things we regret. And the ridiculous, crazy thing is we just keep on living with it. We just plaster up a poster and move on. We, we try to manage it. We have conversations like, yeah, I'm just really struggling with this thing. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't come and die a brutal death so that you can struggle with that thing. He died a brutal death so that you can be set free from that thing. This is why he came. But so often, I think I'll just deck the halls. I'll be nicer. I'll try and be better. But this isn't God's goal for us. And it goes, and it goes deeper than just the, the things that we have behind the decorations, the, the, the walls of the house of our life. I mean, if we were to dig deeper and drill down to the foundation of the house of your life, we'd see that, that the power that you portray, the bravado you put on, the aggressiveness that you have, the, the desire to be in control at times, it goes back to something deeper. It goes back to that time where when you were younger, you felt powerless in some way and you just resolved, I'm never gonna feel powerless again like that. Somebody took advantage of you and you said, I don't like that feeling, I'm never gonna let anybody take advantage of me again. And, and that determines and dictates how you're living now. The insecurity that you feel, it's not because of that thing that happened just then and there, it's because it triggered something in you so that uh, way back when, when you were made fun of, when you compared yourself to someone else, like that, that etched so deeply into your heart that now from those moments you're living in insecurity now. And so it's not them, it's not that, it's not that thing that happened, it goes all the way back to when you were seven. It goes all the way back to when you were a teenager and you were trying to fit in. It goes all the way back to, and you're still playing that game and you're still trying to figure out. And because of that, there's this insecurity that crops up in you. Like if we were to dig beneath the surface, we would see that there's some stuff in our life that needs to get wrecked because we continue to live with it. And on the surface, your life looks great. Because just the think, there, there's the me that I want you to see, and then there's the me of who I really am. And if I'm going to find freedom in God, if I'm gonna be the person God has called me to be, I can't cover that stuff up and deck the halls and decorate it and pretend like it's not there and just manage it and live with it in the darkness and the shadows. Instead, I have to expose it to the light and allow Jesus to take down the decorations that I've put up and completely wreck the halls of my life to rebuild something new. Right. So I wonder, what are you living with right now that you need a wreck? How are you compromising right now? And you know, man, you know that's not the best thing for you. It's time to wreck it. But what are you putting up with? What, what are you just living with? Like, Today's the day to allow Jesus to come in with his wrecking crew, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and wreck your life.
so that he can build something new. And this is God's goal for you. And this is what Paul, this early Christian, tried to teach the people in the church of Corinth. See, Paul started churches all over the Roman world and then he wrote letters to them. And one of the letters that he wrote uh, was to a church in Corinth. And this is a second letter that he writes to him. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. He says, look, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The way that the old is gone is when you become a Christian, when you say yes to Jesus, when you say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross, I believe you rose again from the dead, you eradicated my sin, you got rid of it, you, you made me clean on the cross, you made me new, and because of that, I believe that, and I wanna live a brand new life, and then, because you believe that, you say, I wanna follow you. I wanna make you the leader of my life. And we enter into that relationship with Jesus by being baptized into him. We're buried with Christ. Our, our old self is buried with him and our new self comes up out of the water. We're given brand new life. But some of us just misunderstand that. We don't quite grasp that concept. And what we do is we think, great, I've been forgiven, but I'm still my old self. And we live in the shadow of that old self. But what Paul is reminding us and urging us is this, the old is gone. Who you were is not who you are. The new is here. And I love, I love the way that C.S. Lewis, who's the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, explained it in his book, Mere Christianity. Listen, listen to how he explains the way Jesus seeks to wreck the halls of our lives. He says, now if I may put it that way, our Lord is like the dentist. If you give him an inch, he'll take an L. C.S. Lewis is British. Dozens of people go to him to be cured of some particular sin which they're ashamed of like masturbation or physical cowardice. Hey, God, can you just make me better? Can you just kind of take this nuisance away from me? Or which is obviously spoiling daily life like a bad temper or drunkenness. Well, he'll cure it all right, but it'll not stop there. That may be all you asked, but if once you call him in, he will give you the full treatment. But I think for some of us, we're content with like, no, 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 we're good, God. I just want you to help me out in some of these areas. God's like, that's not enough. Because I got a greater plan for you. If you do not push me away, understand that I'm going to see this job through. Whatever suffering it may cost you in your earthly life, whatever inconceivable purification it may cost you after death, whatever it costs me, I will never rest nor let you rest until you are literally perfect. Until my father can say without reservation that he is well pleased with you. As he said, he was well pleased with me. This I can do and will do, but I will not do anything less. You know some of the tension that you feel in your life, some of the heartache, some of the struggle, some of the pain that you feel in your life? That's Jesus trying to make you more like him. He says, but 
this is a fatal mistake. Of course, we never wanted and never asked to be made into the sort of creatures he's going to make us into, but the question is not what we intend ourselves to be, but what he intended us to be when he made us. May we be content to remain what we call ordinary people, or we may be content to remain what we call ordinary people, but God is determined to carry out quite a different plan. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. And at first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting Go back. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. <clears throat> what on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were gonna be made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. See, I love the decorations of of Christmas. I love uh, the lights and the trees and the stockings and everything about it because it's a way that we dress up our house and it looks pretty and it looks great, but when we take the decorations down, we're left with the same house. And I think it's great to do during Christmas, to deck the halls, but it's a terrible way for us to live where we deck the halls of our lives simply covering things up and seeking to dress things up when God's goal is to come in and make us brand new. So I wonder, what in your life do you need to wreck? What in your life do you need to stop living with? What in your life do you need to stop making excuses for and invite God in to completely destroy it so that he could build something brand new? And I know that's a scary thought, but God is a trustworthy builder. You can trust what he wants to build in you it'll be way better than what you currently have and what you're currently putting up with. So I wanna invite you here and now in this moment to pray the same prayer that King David prayed in the Psalm, Psalm 139, verse 23. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I wanna invite you, if you're comfortable, would you close your eyes and pray this. Search me, God. Know my heart. point out anything in me that isn't right that isn't good hey right now as you're praying that there's some things that are coming up in your mind right now 
there's some things that are just registering in your heart. Those are the walls God is moving over to and he's painting a big red X on them. And this wall has to come down if you're gonna become the person I've called you to be. Are you willing to let him destroy that in your life? Are you willing to bring what you're hiding in the darkness out into the light so that you can finally get free from it? Imagine your life looks really great. You've built a nice life. And if I were to see your Instagram feed, I'd be impressed. But today's the day to take down the decorations. Today's the day to get real. Today's the day to wreck the halls. So would you pray that? Search me, God, know me. Point out anything in me that isn't good and right. Change it, transform it. Take it away. God, that's our prayer, that's my prayer today. Would you, would you wreck our lives so that you can build something even more glorious than we could ever imagine? Would you tear down the things we've been putting up with so that you can build something brand new and glorious? We've been playing at this for far too long. We're tired now. We're time to take down the decorations and allow you to wreck everything. We want to be made new and not just better versions of ourselves. We want to be like you, Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you were inspired, encouraged, and challenged by what you heard. And I want to let you know, if you benefit in any way from this ministry or listening to the podcast, I want to invite you and encourage you to become a giver, not just be a consumer, but a contributor. You know, we're able to do what we do because of the many faithful givers in our church. And I want to invite you to be one of those as well. You can go to our website, we'retherising.com and see how you can give. But as you contribute to the work that God is doing in and through our church, just know that you are helping to make a difference in the lives of so many people. So thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And my hope is that as you put what you've heard into practice, you'll be changed and transformed forever.